This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast. I am Tim Fitzgerald, publisher of GoPowerCat.com here in the GPC studios with Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gilbert. The whole gang is here to talk about K-State sports, or in this case, K-State basketball. That's almost all of our questions. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Make sure you stop into The Fridge every time you come to town. I'm so overdue to get to The Fridge, man. Why, why haven't I been to The Fridge lately, Zach? Why? You've been more times than me. Well, so, I don't go. <laughs> well, I, I cheated on him because I went up. I did my friend BJ Kissel's podcast up in uh, Western Missouri. And so um, McCormick Liquors up there, McCormick Distillery. Incredible. I didn't realize what they had up there. You know, you think a distillery, oh, yeah, make booze. And no, they have the limestone filtered water like Kentucky. That's why they make Missouri bourbon up there. But anyhow, one of their products, I'm a vodka guy as much as bourbon, and um, one of their products is 360 vodka. So I bought a bunch of flavored vodka. So I, I kind of cheated on them a little bit. I apologize. Anyhow, get into the fridge whenever you're down. They do sell 360 vodka. They also sell Truly. Ugh. Tr- you got a little rant? But- Seltzers, man, what's going on? Incoming fired up about seltzers from Fitz. Seltzers are going to take over the world. I wonder what the next big thing is. Carb-free beer, next. I saw it on the Super Bowl. Zero carbs. What is that going to taste like? The Michelob Ultra commercial. Did you know that Michelob Ultra is only slightly less carbs than the original Miller Lite? Like everyone knocked off Miller Lite and added more carbs to make it better, make it taste better. Ultra comes around and Miller Lite's like, uh, we were doing this. This is what we did originally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get all that at the fridge. You can get anything. Hey, there's an, fireballs in sale, guys. Fireball. Oh, I'm out of here. Okay. There you go. There's a little handle of Tito's. Hmm. Now we're talking. Anyhow, get to the fridge whenever you're in town. Oh, my gosh. This has been a weird week. The Super Bowl was just Sunday, wasn't it? I was going to ask you, what were your guys' favorite commercials? I didn't really pay enough attention. I really didn't pay close attention to the game at all. I thought I would pay attention to the commercials, and I ended up paying more attention to the game than I thought I would. Because I like both teams. I don't have a disdain for either team. I didn't care who won. I kind of wanted the Bengals to win just because that's a cool story. And, you know, the K-State fan, Mike Stanley, Mm -hmm. that— 
Um, got to go to the game because the NFL sent him last row. It was so funny. That. You're in the house. I didn't, I didn't even the see last the, row. See where yeah. it was. <laughs> so anyhow, um, yeah, I watched more of the game. It was an enjoyable game. I thought it was a good game. Very good. I like how the referees decided to get involved right at the end. Just like sports, man. Yeah, we're going to let him play. And now we're going to help decide this game. Is uh, Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer? I saw this tweet. No. no. Not yet. Tom Brady went to a bad team, won a Super Bowl with them. They weren't that bad. But he made them better. That's I, I like that theory. or that. I mean, I the Rams made the theory, Super Bowl but, with Jared Goff. Well, but let's be clear. He was a Hall of Famer before he went yeah. to Tampa. Sure. Mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford was a Lions quarterback. But it shows you put him in a good environment. There you go. Got to be at the right place at the right time. So much of that. So much. So many great football players have gone through their entire careers without the opportunity to be on the biggest stage, win or lose. I saw an interview with Anthony Munoz coming up to you know because the Bengals were into and they mm-hmm. lost them both. He said, "I wish we'd won one, but a lot of guys never got to play one. And I got to play two. So I don't know. Screw it. I don't. I don't want to talk about the NFL anymore. It's over. Baseball's never going to start because we got a bunch of millionaires." Billionaires, college baseball bickering. We'll get to you, you and your college baseball. Man, Gills, uh, how's your life? Life as well. Life as well. Working at an unnamed establishment in Aggieville. Are you into Mexican wrestling? Uh, sure. Okay. Sure. You like gladiator movies? No. Okay. You ever been to a Turkish prison? Turkish prison? Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Is that a trick question? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Let's get on with this. Who's got him? I don't even know. Coles? I'll take it. Go. First question of the podcast comes from KSU Cat 80. For Fitz, when might you get the new K-State president in the studio for one of your interviews? Discerning listeners want to know. Well, we probably won't do it in the studio. I mean, we'll go to his office. Hey, Zach, I forgot to tell you, I've got the complete podcast go kit now. Mm. Ready? Okay, here, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's the recording device. Microphones, cords, everything. So Amazing. I mean, like, if uh, we need to go do a podcast remotely on a moment's notice, I've got the go kits. We're good. So if we need to go to the president's office, we, we can do that. can do it. Maybe you should bring Dude and Daphne. I saw that he had poodles. He did have poodles. So that means you already like him. Yeah. I mean, well, he's got yeah. great taste in dogs. Does he live in, Pre- in President Meyer's old house? That did not look like the president's house. Of course, I've never seen the back end of the president's house. Yeah. I, it looked I don't like know a house, what, house. I don't. I guess I don't know what we're talking about. That they had a family photo. Okay. They put a family photo up of all of them in, in purple. Their, their poor son can't afford shoes. Oh, that picture. That was taken before. They was that were, their house? Up yeah, there? Oh, that okay. was in North Carolina, I believe. Oh, okay. But so they lived. They live now in Meyer's old house. How weird would it be to be a high school kid living in that house on a college campus? Is it a house or is it like it's a house? It's not just like offices, and it, like they make it seem like a house. It's a make, residence. It's a residence. Um, so anyhow, this is a fraternity story, and I'm gonna. I'm just going to confess to this. So one night when we were in college, one of my fraternity brothers got a little too drunk to drive home, which back then, unfortunately, we did. So his buddy's fraternity brothers agreed to drive him home. 
in his car. They didn't drive him home. They drove to the president's house, <laughs> lifted up the garage door, which was unlocked. No car was in the garage door, in, in the garage. Pulled his car in with him asleep in the back. Left, pulled the garage door closed. <laughs> Walked the rest of the way to the pie cast. I'm not going to say the guy's name, but Pat um, <laughs> woke up. The next morning, completely confused at whose house he was parked at. So he went in the house and was walking around, had no idea where he was. So he finally walked out front and realized he was at the president's house. <laughs> so you've heard of the walk of shame. He had to do the drive of shame, pull out of the president's garage. Thank goodness nobody was home. The stuff we did. No one would come close to that level of hijinks. In this century. No, no. We did stuff that now would do hard time, like stealing a golf cart from a country club. But anyhow, that's another story. Um, speaking of doing hard time, pretty good segue to the next question. <laughs> uh, from Get Out More Cat, can you discuss the stupid Greg Marshall of K-State rumor only using negative adjectives, please? Well, I, I don't have enough bleeps. That's not happening. No. I mean... Look, I get that when Bob Huggins was hired, a lot of people were like, oh, he's a bad dude because he had a DUI. He did, and it was, an, it was an unflattering DUI. But we all thought we knew who Huggs was. He was a jerk. He, was, you know, he just had a bad rep. And keep in mind a lot of it, this was the same time period when Bill Snyder's recruiting JUCO players, Bob Huggins recruiting JUCO players, and that, that was like almost cheating. Wasn't, but that was, that was sketchy to do that. So he had a bad rep when he was at – Cincinnati and people told me, oh, Hugs is great. And when he got here, we found out Hugs was great. Hugs is wonderful. Is he grumpy and growly and work the refs? Yeah, but he's Hugs. Greg Marshall's just a bad dude. He's just not a good human being. It took him forever to get out of Winthrop to go to Wichita State. And as soon as he got to Wichita State, we immediately hearing stories about how he treated people. I can always tell what a person's like when I hear that people that have been around him say he treats people like crap. And, and Greg Marshall has no respect for anyone outside of the big donors that he kissed up to and befriended, which is kind of a game head coaches play, apparently. I can be a crap human being and not really care about the common fan, but I'm just going to get cozy up to these big donors. And that's what he did at Wichita State. But when it comes out, he's saying racist things to students, athletes. He's yelling at people um, just for no reason. I, I don't know. I, he's a bad dude. I hope he. I would never want to be affiliated with a school that would want to be affiliated with him. And I don't care if he. You say, but what if he won a national title? Well, that'd be cool, but it ain't going to be here. I, I'll, I will fight that one to the end. He's a crap person. So um, I went back and looked at uh, an ESPN article from when he resigned in uh, in November 2020. And uh, it references an athletic report, an athletic article um, from uh, that came out originally um, when, when all the allegations came out. And I'll read you this guy. I'll read you guys this paragraph. The Athletic initially reported multiple allegations against Marshall from the 2015-2016 season, including Marshall pushing and later punching former player Shaquille Morris. Marshall putting one of his hands around a staff member's neck and Marshall following and trying to punch a student athlete in another sport who parked in his parking spot. 
Morris told Stadium that Marshall punched him during a practice. Following a foul, Morris said he went to help up teammate Zach Brown and then was struck with a punch by Marshall. The incident, according to Morris, came the same day he told Mar- he told Marshall that his mother had cancer. That's a crap human being. There's no way, there's no way in hell that this person should have a job with kids ever no. again. You take out take out college, he should never be able to coach high school. He should never be able to coach his own kids because you can't treat adolescents. I mean, you want to talk about college kids. I mean, they're teenagers. Most of them are teenagers. You can't treat young people like that. You don't go around punching kids. Greg Marshall's done a thorough job of every day of his life treating people like crap. And I also think that when you're in a position of leadership, as a head coach, yeah, I was going to say, and a leader of young men, that you should be held to a higher standard than an average Joe or, an, or an, in Tyreek Hill's case, a college kid. Not saying that either are okay, but because they're not. But when you're in a position like Greg Marshall, who is in the face of a university, because let's not let's let's not beat around the bush here. Greg Marshall was Wichita State. Yeah. When you think of Wichita State, maybe some people that grew up in the '90s would think of wichita state baseball but my generation you think of wichita state basketball when you think wichita state basketball you think of greg marshall guess what there's no fred van fleet who's in the nba all-star game without greg marshall but he was the face of that university and he completely he completely tore down everything you talk we can sit here and talk about bruce weber tearing down a roster all we want but greg marshall tore down a roster because of how he treated people right he's the exact opposite of Bruce Weber. Say what you want to say about coaching-wise, but Greg Marshall is on the spectrum with throw out all your other coaches that have been in scandals, and I think Greg Marshall is just about as bad as any of them. My my thought is you brought up he shouldn't be coaching. I don't I don't think he should be in a position of authority over anyone ever again. He can't be trusted with it. I mean, I've never laid hands on an employee other than to shake a hand or hug. So I, I don't I don't understand how you ever think you can treat someone like that. I, I just think it's amazing that Shaq Morrison flattened him because he could have and he, he should have. And he would have got kicked off of school. Yep. He probably would have gone to jail. Yep. That's exactly what would have happened. Yep. And that's a whole nother conversation for another day. If you want to throw in if you want can bring in a whole nother various issues, open a whole nother yep. can of worms with that, but Greg Marshall, yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know how this is a rumor, Fitz. You might know better than me. I don't know if this is a rumor. It's from the message boards. This okay. is from Wabash. Surely Gene Taylor is smart enough to realize you can't you can't go this route. Yeah, I don't I don't know that there's any validity to it. But I think at the end of the day, K State donors, the one I know, would want nothing to do with that guy. Just wouldn't. Just wouldn't. It doesn't fly here. Maybe it flies at some institution that's willing to make the deal with the devil. If they want to be good at basketball, they'll do whatever they want they can do to excuse, uh, you know, all kinds of crimes that happen on campus. I'm not talking about any program in particular. Um, <laughs> you know, they're stark and fondle maids in the elevator, and that's okay. And you know, they can put up with all kinds of stuff just because it's, winning is good. That's not K State. Well, next question comes from Eric Schneid. Did I say that right, Zach? Okay, got I got it. You there got we it. go. Look at me. I'm on a roll. Um, where does Bruce rank among basketball coaches at K-State for you? Since Long Kruger, if you want to keep it short. We can't do that. I, mean, I don't think you can do that. Yeah. There hasn't been that many coaches. I know. I mean, 
that's incredible. I mean, since World War II, you've had Jack Gardner, Tex Winter, Cotton Fitzsimmons, Jack Hartman, Lon Kruger, Dana Altman, Tom Asbury, Jim Wooldridge. Then we finally got to Bob Huggins, Frank Martin, and Bruce Weber. You could say that if he's if you're doing it from Lon Kruger, he could be top three. I would say he's at least top ten. How many did I just list? <laughs> Look, he's got the most wins. They play more games. He's you know they what a, his percentage isn't great. He's had horrible seasons. He's had two Big Twelve titles, both shared. It's just he's such a mixed bag of results. Bruce Weber is Ned Yost. Ned Yost without the World Series. Mm-hmm. I can, mean, if you say two if, Big if Twelve, if he'd gone to the Final Four. But even his greatest season was defined by losing a game they should have won. Think of that. It wasn't like they got to the Elite Eight and then lost to Kentucky. They beat Kentucky mm-hmm. and then lost to Loyola Chicago, a team that they should have beaten. He's, he's out of Huggins, out of all the coaches that I can remember in my lifetime, so that I can remember watching on the sidelines in Huggins, Martin, and Weber, I would put Bruce at third based solely off of coaching based solely off of talent brought in sure i because I, I truly believe if frank martin is still the coach k-state has a completely different trajectory maybe they're not maybe they don't get as the two big 12 championships but they definitely have a chance to make the sweet 16 on a more consistent basis like frank was building the program up and sure there was times where it looked like it, it was a down year but now after seeing what a down year in college basketball really is I don't think that you would have had that with Frank. And so I, I think it's hard to say that Bruce is, is a better overall coach than Frank. And if you want to point to Frank's struggles at South Carolina, you can. But K-State is a basketball school. Like, that's what it's known for before Bill Snyder. And as you've talked about multiple times, Frank Martin was getting the train rolling in that direction once again. South Carolina is not a basketball school. No. So it's hard to win there. And, I mean, I, I, I think that. Huggins is kind of hard, but he did turn the tide, right? So mm-hmm. I would put Huggins and Martin over. I would take both of those coaches, obviously, right now over Bruce. And that's not saying that I think Bruce is a terrible coach or he's been been an awful coach because you can't be awful at your job and still be around for 10 years. Like you can be pretty bad at, at times and, and get by because of the highs, but you can't be consistently bad and keep your job for 10 years. I would put him above Asbury, Woldridge, and Altman. Mm-hmm. Altman wasn't successful here. Maybe he didn't have enough time. He just got the job too young. He needed to go to Creighton and mature. Um, and now he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't think that speaks poorly of Bruce. I think it speaks highly of the program and the coaches that have come through. People don't respect or understand how incredible the coaching tradition is at Kansas State. It's absolutely amazing. We, it's you know, we talk about the things we don't. Um, bring up the inclusion and the trailblazers. Well, that too. That should be on every damn broadcast. These are Hall of Fame coaches, whether it's NBA or college or whatever. I mean, it's incredible the coaches that have come through here. So I, I mean, I don't mean that as a slight to Bruce that I wouldn't put him very high on that list because the list is incredible. Now, what it comes down to at the end of the day with Bruce Weber is in, even in his highest moments, Winning the two Big 12 titles, they have lost a 4-13 game in the first round in the NCAA both times. It's this constant up and down, up and down. The 
just the whiplash the fan base had. And I think what we saw on Monday night at Bramage Coliseum coming off an impressive road win was fans saying, we're, we're just tired of it. We're just, the up and downs is too much. They're going back up. But that only means one thing. They're going to come down again. Maybe they'll make it in the tournament and then lose. No, I don't know. I think it's hard to rank Bob Huggins off of one season on-court results, but if you want to call it impact, he's probably the most impactful coach Absolutely. in the last three decades. Yeah, and if you want to talk about impact on the you know impact for the program, I think Bruce Weber's almost at the bottom with Asbury and Wolters just based on you know results the last two seasons, fan attendance interest in the program. I mean, it's basically undone everything that Bob Huggins sparked in the mid two thousands. Right. And then now. with Frank Martin. Right now. Right now. Sure. You know, but also I don't think it's fair to Bruce to judge right now over the course of his career because yes, he did have the two Big Twelve championships. He's been okay in other years. But the problem with Bruce is that variance is too high. You know, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down. At least Bob Huggins, Frank Martin, there was this steady path up, and you're hanging out in the top four of the conference regularly. You're not down low, you know, like Bruce. But at least with Bruce, hey, you could be the number one seed in the Big 12 tournament. So that's that's how I see it, I guess. It's hard to rank Bruce as good or just bad based on anything since Long Kruger. But... I don't rank him highly. I'll say that. You can also look at, you know, a different perspective of that and look at just how good these coaches are as coaches. I'd put Weber over Underwood. Or Underwood, Cole's got Underwood on the screen. Um, <laughs> Martin or Huggins in just terms of like an X's and O's guy. Obviously, those guys got better, you know, stuff out of their teams, more intensity, more defense, all that stuff. But Weber's a good coach. He just can't manage his locker room and doesn't get the best out of his teams, in my opinion. And he can't really recruit and keep his recruits. But as far as just being an, an X's nose guy, I, I think Weber's almost as good as anybody in the country. I, I think he does a great job of teaching the game, preparing his players, and maybe even putting up game plans. This is what we want to do. But in the course of a game, it's oh yeah, it's ineffective. You can't make adjustments. He, you know. I think the ending of the Iowa State game was very defining of <laughs> you guys go make a play. And yet the guy with the ball has no interest in making a play for anyone except himself. Mm-hmm. And so I had tweeted, why didn't he call a timeout? I didn't mean on the possession. I mean the moment the clock went to seven seconds and Marquise Noel still dribbling the ball, you call a timeout. What the hell are you doing? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't want this to be just bagging on Bruce because he has done some really good things. But, you know, this this season is going to be – let me just ask this. Do you feel that this season is fulfilling in any way so far? Even if they maybe get into the first four, get in – is that fulfilling – because this season pretty much defines K-State basketball under Bruce Weber. Just this is going to be the fifth or sixth best season under Bruce Weber in 10 years. Think about it. This is going to be the middle. What? No. 
the the lows for me just outweigh the highs. This is like a six and six football season. Yeah. This is what it feels like, right? I mean, yeah, when you're six and six, you're trying to make a bowl game. At K-State for football, the expectations are, yes, you make a bowl game and you win at least seven games a year, right? Let's be honest. If K-State doesn't win seven games, it's not a successful season. And you can make an argument that this year at seven and five was not a successful season. Now, they won a bowl game, so that helps, sure. But if you – the goal needs the goal for K-State football is to win 10 games a year. If you win 10 games, you're having a, you're having a good season. For basketball, the goal is to make the NCAA tournament. The goal is to make a bowl game. Guys, 68 teams make the NCAA tournament, right? That's a fact. That you sh- you should make the Gordon Fitz. You should make the NCAA tournament <laughs> every you. single year. You should make the NCAA tournament every single year. That should be the expectation. Yeah, your bad seasons should be in IT. Mm-hmm. Your bad ones. So, to answer your question, Fitz, the fact that they were so terrible the last two years. To make the NCAA tournament this year would be a would be progress, but for Bruce Weber, it's not about progress. You've done it before, so it's about being at that sustained level. You're just picking back up what you knocked down. So it, again, it's a double-edged sword. But to answer your question, with how they started, if they make the tournament this year, that means they went on one heck of a run, and. I would be very happy for the players because those guys deserve to have some success. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Tenth season under Weber, he's been to five tournaments. That includes the the first four season. He went, still made the field of sixty four though. And they went to yeah, he did, he did, and got his ass handed to him <laughs> by what turned out to be not a great Cincinnati team. That's an ongoing problem. He put so much stake into making the tournament i almost feel like his players once they get there are like oh we did it they've won in the round of 64 once in his five trips and that was the elite eight year and we can all recognize that there were some unique features about that trip they they get lined up against creighton and marcus foster and that got his players attention then they got the 16 seed I mean, that is getting struck by lightning right there in a fortunate way. Then I hand it to him. The Kentucky game was incredible. That was a great win. It's the single best win in Bruce Weber's tenure at K-State. Exceeding mm-hmm. Kansas games for me because there was no reason they should win that game. There was no reason why in the Sweet 16, Kentucky would be looking past Kansas State. There's no reason why physically with the mismatch with Dean Wade virtually not playing anything, not contributing. They should have even been able to compete. Again, I go back to the last possessions of the game when they finally won. The tallest K-State player on the court was shorter than Kentucky's shortest player on the court. That is an anomaly I don't think I've ever seen in major college basketball. Mm -hmm. It was such a mismatch. It was such a brave and courageous Effort by a K-State team. If those those games define K-State basketball under Bruce Weber, people would be bought in. But that's not what people carry away from Bruce Weber. About. They carry Ole Miss away. Hey, you, you go to the SEC and win a game, and just they just go through the motions and don't play well. That's up and down, up and down, and here we are. Next question from El Camino Cat. Also the last question of the first half. 
Mark Smith was not a good rebounder, averaged just under three and a half per game for his career prior to coming to K-State. Is there something about K-State's system or staff that allowed him to suddenly become one of the best rebounders in the conference and in the country for his position, I personally might add? Is the light coming on for Smith for being able to be replicated to other players? Now, I, I talked to someone last night who's really familiar with this situation. And Mark always wanted to be a point guard. You know, he, he played the post in high school, which, you know, is a common experience for 6'4 guys. <laughs> but he wanted to be a point guard. He fancied himself a point guard. He's not a point guard. I mean, he's an adequate ball handler. He's good enough to bring the ball up for you. He's a pretty good passer. But I think at some point, Mark Smith had a long talk with Mark Smith and said, what I'm doing isn't making me a good basketball player and isn't making me happy. I mean, he was putting up, you know, Curtis Siebold tweeted about this in Missouri. He'd, he'd have an 0 for 13 night or something. Now, I'm I'm of the belief if you've missed your first nine shots, don't go for the double digits, <laughs> you know, unless it's a bunny, unless you can lay it in. And if you miss that one, just shut her down. I, I kind of put that on the coaching too. Why are you leaving this kid out there when he's having such a horrible night? But I feel like he came to K-State and he ran into a coach that approached him in a different way because, you know, he'd played for maybe more demanding coaches. I don't mean that as an insult to Bruce Weber. He just has a different style. He has a more grandfatherly or fatherly style with his players. And maybe that worked. Maybe Bruce's style has worked with him. Hey, look, we need you to go rebound. Everyone's got a rebound on this team. Ish Masood's finding that out. Yes, you, you, you're really good. You have a lot of potential. But you're not rebounding and defending at the level we need. You're too worried about shooting three-pointers. And it's amazing. His last two games, he's been a lousy shooter from the field, and they're two of his better games because mm-hmm. he's done all the little things. So I think he came to realize that um, I can help the team do this. And then he started to realize, hey, I'm getting the accolades I've always wanted for basketball from basketball. It's for rebounding instead of scoring, but this feels good. It's, you know, you're getting rewarded. You're getting that treat. When you when you do the trick, you get the treat. Oh, my God, did they want treats? <laughs> They're dead asleep. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm really happy for them. I'm happy for them because this is truly what the transfer portal can be like. I have screwed up my first four years. They've been unfulfilling. I haven't done what I wanted to do. I'm going someplace new, and it took him a it took him a journey, but he found a place where he's thriving. And boy, he's fun to watch. And boy, he he epitomizes what people want their K State basketball players to be. And again, I get back to the crowd. That's what's so disappointing. I I understand people's frustrations with Bruce, and I understand they've gotten to the point where they feel like they're not being heard because they're still going to the game, so they've shut it down. But the players are playing hard. They were really fun in the second half. And and Mark Smith's a bulldog. I, I love having him on a K-State team. K-State could get five Mark Smiths. They would be undefeated. But none of them would be a point guard. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though, there's a market for what Mark Smith does in the mm-hmm. NBA right now. There like, is. I, I think there's a better than, better than good chance that Mark Smith sees the NBA for his role, right? Three and D is what they call him in the, in, in the NBA. If you can shoot the three ball, you can play defense and rebound – like he can rebound, he's going to be okay. To go along with that, he's also able to create his own shot, which is something he didn't used to do. 
He never was able to put the ball on the floor, go get a bucket. Not only is he able to do that, to do that now, he's converting on his free throws, which was a problem earlier in the season. There's nothing about Mark Smith's game that he can't do in the NBA. And so I think there's a market for that. Sure, he's a little undersized, but I don't know if you follow the NBA that closely, but I look at a guy from Iowa State like Taylor Horton Tucker, who we saw play for Iowa State. A little bit more talented than Mark, but very comparable players. And so there's going to be a market for Mark Smith in the NBA. How about that fast break in the first half with it was Noel and amazing. Smith? That was as nice a fast break. Unselfish basketball from two guys coming out of the transfer portal. And honestly, one of them has proven to be selfish at times. <laughs> um, but a great pass by no-look pass, although he was peeking out of the corner of his <laughs> eye. We've got the photo. Um <laughs> I went honey badger there for a second tonight. Um, but yeah, the back to back no look pass has led into a layup. It was beautiful. It was awesome. It was great basketball. I think the simple answer to the question is just K State's bigs are so bad. And that's why Mark Smith is is doing the things he's doing with rebounding the basketball. That, you guys provided some great insight, but they're they're the eating answer. up space. They're blocking out the other big guys because yeah. they do that do that well. They do take up space. They don't let their other big guys get to the boards, and Mark's just cleaning up. The guards have done rebounded extremely well. Mike, same thing. Mike McGraw. Mike Marquise Noel's had almost double-digit rebounds at some point. It's it's impressive, but that just shows that the, the ball is going past the bigs all the way to the floor quite often if it's getting to Marquise. If I'm Bruce Weber, I'm talking to Selton McGill in the offseason, assuming Bruce is still here or whoever the new coach is or whatever the situation may be. If Selton McGill's on your roster, I'm showing him tape of Mark Smith, and I'm saying, this is who you need to be. This is you. That's, that's, that's going to be your role. This is you. I like it. Or you could show it to Kazuki. Hey, Luke's got some rebounds. Yeah, he has. <laughs> hmm. We're going to go to break. No comment. We'll be back. <laughs> GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. I feel like I'm losing my voice. I'll be honest, I was yelling at my employees. But you didn't put your hands on us. didn't put your hands on you at all. I thought about choking you. Anyhow, we're sponsored by The Fridge. If you drink their products too fast, you too will choke like a student athlete playing for Greg Marshall. Zach is not having these jokes. Go, go to the fridge. I can't believe. And I can't believe this. 
can't believe this read. Hammer a 12 pack like your Greg Marshall. Uh, <laughs> go go to the fridge. Uh, okay. Here we go. First question of the second half comes from Get Out More Cat. How many more wins to get into the NCAA tournament? Do we know if the committee is still going to take the COVID losses into consideration? I don't know. I, I think they always take losses into consideration if you're missing players or stuff, but... I feel like that's a rule for Kentucky or Kansas or or like if you're on the bubble and you're Syracuse um, or, you know, not that I don't think that applies to Kansas State. And I mean that sarcastically and also seriously. I I don't know what the number is. As our, we had a great group texting today, mostly between Cole and Ryan Wallace. <laughs> but while I made a great point. Um, there's other teams out there doing their work, too. K-State isn't the lone bubble team doing good things. There's other teams helping their cause. What we don't know is how the NCAA is going to treat every conference outside of the Big Ten and Big 12. Because a good chunk of both of those conferences will be in the field. ACC is way down. It's so far below normal ACC standards that they, they should be worried about their product. The SEC, I think, is pretty good. I think that I think the Challenge Series showed that, but they also don't rank that high in you know some of the computer rankings. And the Pac-12 is trash. Pac-12 is absolute trash. You've got to you got to give out sixty-eight bids. And I don't know if the, there's a bunch of middle teams that you know mid-majors that are like flirting with the bubble. And I don't. The answer is I don't know. I think seventeen wins does get them in based on the power of the Big 12. But it also feels like something that K-State would get screwed over. Like if it was uh, Bob Huggins in West Virginia and they were 17 and whatever the 13, they're in. Kansas State, exact same schedule, nah, you're not in. I, and that's maybe that's just me being a guy who's seen a lot of crap happen to K-State. Ironically, it happened to K-State when Bob Huggins was here. I mean, they should have been in the tournament that year and – didn't get in. But why, Why, if you're the NCAA tournament committee, why would you put Case in? Why would you give them the benefit of the doubt when they've been so terrible the last two years? I mean, what do the last couple of years have to do with anything, though? Yeah, it, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't it matter. Should matter. If you're the committee. But it shouldn't matter. But if you look at a team that's on the bubble like Oregon, and then you look at a team like K-State, and you just look at resumes, aren't you going to take a team that you know has – previously gone on runs in the tournament that's consistently playing in NCAA tournament games that's fresh on your mind like I feel like that I that get what you mean there but I don't think that's correct because K-State if you really look at what they've done this season they haven't been healthy for what a fourth of the season probably mm-hmm. a third I, I'm not saying that they I think that I think that if that is the case, they should be in the NCAA tournament. But I'm the just, problem with that is that's not a unique argument to Kansas State. You know, that's. Mm-hmm. I think what's helped Kansas State is they got it all out of the way. Sure. I mean, now they're missing players for more natural reasons. You sprained an ankle, not that you have a virus, then you're asymptomatic, but you still have to miss games. I mean, that's going on around all throughout the Big Twelve. We still see it happening. But um, I, I, I just come back to the old Miss game. That's a late season after the midway point of your season. 
bad loss. That's the worst loss of the season. Oh, by far. And and I I tweeted this out when they lost. Is this one of the worst losses? Considering everything that's at stake for Bruce Weber, is this one of the worst losses for him? Sure, we can sit here and talk about Fort Hayes State. We can talk about the losses in the tournament. But when you really look at it, that loss could cost him his job. Yeah, you're right. That's but on the flip side, I think he's done a good job of making up for it. Road win at Iowa State and a couple wins here over the last I mean, couple. The problem, the problem is, with K-State's resume is there's only one win in conference play that's been completely thorough. Everything has been so 50-50. And if you want to – if you're talking about taking losses for COVID into consideration, you look at those lo- K- those games that K-State lost, you lose at OU. You're only without Marquise Noel. You lose at West Virginia. Yeah, you're shorthanded, but you just beat them by five at home. It's not really un- unthinkable to think that a healthier K-State team would have won at West Virginia if you're only going to beat them by five at home. You can kind of go down the schedule and just say, hey – I don't think that K-State being healthy would have helped them necessarily win these games. So that that's how I see it. But it's going to take – I think it's going to take at least a win against KU or Texas Tech if they really want to get in. Because yeah, I, the, at, at the end of the day, they're probably going to lose a bunny that they should win. I agree with you that they're winning games now. But I think to make up, with Ole Miss, make up for Ole Miss, you've got to get a win. KU or Tech. Or in Kansas City. They'll have opportunity in Kansas City on neutral floor. I think that was such a horrendous loss. You don't make up for it by winning in names. Even if Iowa State ranks high in all the weird settings, standings, whatever, they're trash right now. If if they're in the NCAA tournament and continue to lose the way they have, win a couple more games this year, it it, it just really is a joke. Because they say the late season matters more. And if Iowa State gets in and K-State doesn't, and K-State maybe even sweeps them late in the season, it's a joke. It's a joke. They did have a great non-conference season. And the the game that really stands out as maybe the counterbalance to Ole Miss was not beating Marquette because now that would have been a huge win, and they couldn't get it done Well, they were without pack. So maybe that is a game that the committee looks at and said, well, you didn't have your star player. And you still almost beat Marquette. Okay. More so than those first four conference games. I think it's important to note, too, that this team is not that far away from being the fifth best team in the Big 12, um, especially talent-wise, right? Um, so you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, we had a good road win against Iowa State. They're below you in the standings. You can't say we had a good road win against TCU. They're below you in the standings. You can't say, well, we swept Oklahoma TCU State. TCU is above them, by the way. But you look at their schedule, the odds are that they won't be just because of yeah, the teams they have to play still. They got COVID games wiped they out. That right. KU back-to-back, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, this is a this is a great win. Yes, you're supposed to win. If you're an NCAA tournament team, you win that game. The games that you're not supposed to win, like the Texas game on the road, like Texas Tech at home, you can give them credit for those wins. That's important. But as a fan... You can't say this is an amazing win. You know they're right back on the right track. If they lose that game, there's more to lose than there is to gain to win. Does that make sense? So I th- I understand, and I'm not trying to to tarnish K State's resume. I think if they win the games they're supposed to win, and they lose to Tech, they lose to KU, and they get one in Kansas City, they're in. Because you're beating Texas. At the end of the day, we talked about this last night. You're playing Texas, right? I mean, that's probably who you're going to play. If you're the five seed in Kansas City, you're going to play the four seed, which is going to be Texas. 
And I like that matchup for K-State. I do too. So I think they got a good chance. I think they can put it this way. They control their own destiny. I, I believe that. I think as we speak right now, February 15th, everything that K-State's done to this point in the season cancels each other out. And that's why they're on this first four out, next four out, yeah. you know, group. They've had some good wins, some bad losses. And now it's just time to see if they can compete down the stretch. I agree, Cole, you know, it outweighs itself. And, and this is really go time for Kansas State. They've done just enough to hang around and stay relevant. Now's the time to get going. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, next question from El Camino Cat. How many teams from the Big 12 do you expect to make the NCAA tournament? Fewer than 10. Thank you. Thanks, Booger. Thank you. <laughs> and that ends the podcast. Um, well, I mean, eight? Yeah, I'll say eight. Eight? It's incredible. But Well, I'll yeah. say seven. Never mind. I'm going to go seven. Yeah, I think seven. somebody on the bubble right now, whether it's Iowa State or Oklahoma, yeah, yeah. one of those is going to be bummed. How many teams should make the tournament? How, let's see this way. How many teams have an actual chance to make round of 32? Can we answer this? To make the, the round, round of 32? Or th- what? Yes. To win a game in the win NCAA a game in the NCAA tournament. Oh, Four. That's exactly what I think. Well, yeah, but last I mean, year it was what five, six. I just don't think that the teams are that good. West Virginia's out. They got to be out. Yep. West think, Virginia, Oklahoma State, obviously. Yeah. So maybe it's well eight maybe with K State. Yeah. Either Oklahoma or Iowa State will tank and will not be in the conversation. So are you K-State. saying are you saying K State's in then in that case or no? I <laughs> I think they I do think <sighs> they'll be in. Yeah. I'm gonna go six then. If See, we're gonna I count think for that, that's I think it's closer. What I, think. To, I think it's closer to six than seven. And I think I don't think Iowa State's gonna be in. They're they're done. I think w- at least one of them. And I don't think Oklahoma is gonna be in. <laughs> I think one of Oklahoma or Iowa State will be in. See, I think I it'll think both. I think sure. it's gonna, I think it'll come down to Oklahoma and K State. And who gets in in that last game of the season in Manhattan? Yeah, that could be, right. could be a, a could de facto playing game. So, I think that there's a realistic chance. That K-State gets six, and if you look at Joe Lenardi's bracketology, he says that the Big 12 might suffer from being too good. And I don't know if you can call that good if teams are beating each other like they are, but they might suffer from teams beating up on each other. I'm sorry. That argument ended for me when they lost the SEC Challenge. I agree, too. Yeah. You can't argue that the SEC is not very good when they won six of the games. Was it six or seven? Six of the games. But And you can't even argue that. It was about matchups because Baylor lost a game that yeah Alabama beats wins big games and loses to crappy teams but you still win, you still need to win that game. K State should have won. I mean, K you got killed. K you got pooped on. I wanted to say something else, but this is a family podcast, right? I saw I said pooped on. Zach, sure. you proud of me? I, I sure I'll be proud of you. Good. Because I was going to say but I know I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, let's go through the standings right now because they're fascinating. Kansas is 10-2. and two. Oh, surprise. Baylor is 9-3. and three. Tech is – Jesus, I can't read. 8-4. and four. Texas is 7-5. TCU is 5-5. Five five, about ready to go through a gauntlet with the makeup games. 8 right? Oh, my God. They, I, what are they, at KU? KU I'll, at home I'll bring that up in a second. K-State 6-7. Oklahoma State's 5-8 and eight and il- ineligible for the tournament because the NCAA is heartless. Oklahoma is 4-8. and eight. They are dropping. West Virginia is 3-9. and nine. Iowa State is 3-9. and nine. TCU, what do they got here? Let's bring this up. Isn't that crazy? A team can be three and nine 
in, I think they're still in oh. on Lenardi's latest bracketology. And keep in mind, it's Lenardi. It's not, you know. True. Uh, He'll change it at the end. He'll be right in the end. Yeah, we've <laughs> caught him doing that in the past. Yeah. I, got, I got everyone right. Well, yeah, because in the time between the games being played and the announcement, you changed your bracket twice. <laughs> what changed in that time period? Okay, let's see. They've got uh, – they go to Iowa State. No, they, they play host Iowa State. Then they go to Baylor. It's going on right now, I believe. Is it? As we speak. West Virginia at Texas. Texas Tech back-to-back, home and away with KU, and then they go to West Virginia. Which they could lose that game, too. And keep in mind, that is March 1st playing host to KU, March 3rd (laughs) going to KU, March 5th going to West Virginia. Wow. I mean, they've got so many backed-up games. I mean, they, they play host to... Texas Tech at uh, on 216 or yeah 226. And this is where you can make the argument that K State not having those games canceled is actually a good, a good thing. thing. Yeah. Because if they go on this have to do that and grant those teams aren't as good as the teams that they're playing at K playing K twice, but I mean, they lose those games and they're out. I mean, just simple as that. So, yeah, the argument can be made, but I I think if we're to answer this question, I think there'll be six because there should be six. Uh, I'll put it that way. What about how many games does K-State need to win? I say three to get in. They can go nine and nine. I agree with that. Three from here. Because I was saying five. loss. Actually, I was saying five to get under the bubble. Maybe they get in. You know, they're in that gray area. Six gets them in. And that includes Kansas City. So that's that's winning the games you should, beating the KU or Tech. And and they've got two of them, right? So now they're at three or four in that and they've got two more home games. Got to, got to defend that home court. And one in Kansas City. And now you're on the bubble for me. Win Saturday, defend your home court. Win in Kansas City. I think you're solidly in. Mm-hmm. Which will put them at 18 wins. 17 wins gets them on the bubble in my book. Might just get them in based on what what's going on around the country. I mean, you can argue about bubble teams all you want. But there's a lot of conferences that simply don't have teams to put in the tournament. Very, very many. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think 18 will put them in. But this is why the 17, 18, whatever it may be, win number frustrates me because that canceled game versus North Florida would be a win. So does that mean K-State just has to get one less win in the Big 12? I don't uh, think so. I, I don't think that would change the math. I mean, we're talking about the wins now against Big 12 competition. Okay. Not as much the wins. The quad much. one wins, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, I saw, someone, I saw someone road. say, well, but they're only five and nine in quad one, win, uh, quad one games. I'm like, They've played 14 quad one opponents, and you think that's bad? Mm-hmm. I mean, North Carolina is, I think they're like one of the last four teams in. They've got zero quad one wins yeah. right now. That just shows you the difference between that brand and mm-hmm. Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Next question comes from Runaway Train. What? That new one? No. No? no. no. Runaway Train's been here. Oh, I'm so sorry, Runaway Train. It's been Train. a while. This is my favorite question we've ever had. Really? Yes. I bet you can't name three. Can you rank the bottom three worst officials in the Big Twelve? Well, I don't. I don't know if I. I. Doug Sermons. Are you afraid they're listening to us? No, right I, I. I don't want to describe them as. I want to describe it as disruptive. Yeah. Not yeah. bottom, because I think Doug Sermons and John Higgins and Jerry Pollard all can be good officials, <laughs> but they also enjoy disrupting the game. 
they to think make the people, attention on them. How many times did they, Yeah, they think people watch them. Yeah, Higgins was at the monitor oh repeatedly. He watched the halftime show from the Super Bowl. So there are worst officials. I mean, they're... Um, Terry Oglesby? That came and place him. I recognize the name. Kip Kitching, Kip Kissinger, I think. Kissinger. Kip Kissinger? No, yeah. Kip Kip's a good one. He's okay. I'm just the names that he are was in better my mind. a while ago. I feel like they're bad just because I know their name, you know. <laughs> I, and I don't know her name, and I promise it's not because she's a female, but she's horrible. Oh, she's really bad. She's bad. So is that guy who looks like he's from The Godfather? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, he does look like a character from The Godfather. Yeah, there, there's some really bad ones. What I love is when a guy like Paul Jansen, who is so bad the Big 12 doesn't renew his contract, and then he goes off. I don't even know where he's officiating now, but he's like a lead official in another major conference. And I'm like, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. They get fired because they're so bad and none of the coaches like them, and they go to another major conference, and all of a sudden, that's how Sermon's ended up in the Big 12. He hasn't been here forever. He showed up about, I don't know. Eight years ago? It was and, longer than that. I feel like it's been a while. And and he was just a guy. Do you know just where he guy, came from? Uh, from the he's a spawn of Satan. <laughs> I'm gonna go on a rant about the about officiating oh, yeah, in, in college basketball. And so this this all started when last weekend I was in Kansas City and I went to a high school game. And so when you cover college basketball, you get accustomed to having the best of everything, rather it be not officials. It, well, this is where I'm going with this. Rather it be media meals, rather it be atmosphere, rather it be talent. You get accustomed to having everything. But then you see the officials. And it always feels like the officials are a step behind in college basketball. And so when I was at this game, this high school game, I truly felt like surely the officials cannot be that bad. Like there is, there, there has to be a way for the officials to keep up with high school kids. Like you have to be really bad to not be able to keep up with high school kids. Even if it's 6A, you have to be really bad not to be able to keep up with high school kids. And it wasn't the fact that they were missing calls. It wasn't the fact that they weren't calling travels. It wasn't the fact that they were reacting to what the fans said, but it was the fact that they couldn't keep up with the speed of the game. But the thing is, it's not their fault. These officials should be doing JV games, right? These are young officials. They don't have the experience to be doing varsity games. These officials should still be learning. They should be doing JV games. The fact is that people do not want to get into officiating, rather it be baseball, rather it be basketball, rather it be football, mm-hmm. all the three major sports. People don't want to get into it because there's a stigma. There's a stigma that you're an official because you're not good enough to be a coach and you're not good enough to be a player. So that's why people get into officiating. There's a stigma behind it. And there's also a stigma that you're the bad guy and nobody likes you. As media members, as fans, as coaches, as players, we should treat officials better because they are part of the game. But parents. It's about parents. It is about parents. It's, it's not any of those things. It's 100% about the parents. Nobody wants to be an official because – Every single parent that has a kid thinks that their kid is the greatest kid on earth, and little Johnny deserves the best. <laughs> and when jo- little Johnny, what? Pointing at little Johnny? That's little dude. Yeah. He's when little Johnny doesn't get what he wants, when he doesn't, you know, when he strikes out or does whatever, it's always not his fault. So what are you going to do? You're going to complain about the refs. It, yeah. Being a ref sucks for kids. Nobody wants to do it. And that's why the officials are so bad in college basketball, because at the younger ranks, people are not getting into it. We've talked about it before, but people are not getting into officiating because 
They don't want to be part of the stigma. And we see it in college. We see it in high school. But, man, it's really bad in the Big 12 right now. And I feel like there has to be a way to fix it, but it's not going to be an overnight fix. No. People have to go into officiating. That's the only way that you're going to fix these bad officiating. And every single game, we sit there on media row and we say, this is terrible. These guys are inadequate to be doing this. The game is moving too fast for them. I'm sorry, but when you have a guy that looks like Jerry Pollard, who is stomach is wider than he is. E- easy, easy. Sorry, <laughs> Fitz, I love you, but you could do just as good of a job as him. Not true. It's so frustrating because they're not good enough to be on the court. At the bo- that's the bottom line. They should, they should be doing – this brings it back to my point. They should be doing the high school game. I disagree. It's more of a mental thing, not a physical thing. Well, I have they no, decide to control the game when they want to. Right. I have no sympathy for college officials. None. They, they are incredibly well-paid. I mean, they, most of them have other jobs. But if you wanted that to be your job, that could be your job and you could take the rest of the year off. I mean, you really could, right, Zach? I mean, they're getting like 1,500, 2,000 game. They're playing I, the stipend game, the airline miles game. They're, mm-hmm. The problem isn't that they're not good officials, but it was pointed out to me last night that John Higgins was on the West Coast on Saturday, did a Sunday game in Boise, and was in Manhattan for a Monday game. Now, I don't care if you're a salesperson, an official, or uh, the the Chinese woman with the unicycle and, and plates. If red, you Red panda? That, that's it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> I don't care what your profession is. You're not going to be good. You're, you, you just can't travel that much and hit the ground running, which is literally what official does. John Higgins looked tired Monday night. Yeah. And I bet you as we sit here on Tuesday, we flip on the TV, we could find him doing a game. I don't know how he has any – and keep in mind, he still has a roofing business in Omaha that he probably has to you know, touch base with. I don't know how you do all this and be good at your job, but it gets back to this. There's not enough of them. There's not enough good ones. And if we want officiating to get better in any way, it's going to have to get worse because you're going to have to bring in a whole new wave of guys. You're going to have to incentivize. I think you really turn your attention to young athletes and say, hey, look, you're going, you're not going to make it in the league. You're done in, you know. Let's just I'm just pulling out a guy. We just we realized last night Big Gip is out of out of basketball. He's now just down in Texas working. I I don't know why a guy like that wouldn't say, hey, I'm gonna start doing some high school games, some small college games around here. Nobody's gonna yell at him. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um so yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I we we've got to figure out how to get more young former players into officiating. Because, guys, it sucks to be yelled at by 10,000 people, or in the case of last night, two. <laughs> um, but you're incredibly well paid to do it. You, you've gotten to that status of, hey, I'm John Higgins. I'm going to do five games in a week and make you know 10K minus my travel, whatever, however it works out. You do that over 12 weeks. I'm not sure why you have a roofing business on the side that Kentucky fans can spam. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, if I'm making 100K spread out over how long is basketball? Four months? Yeah, four months. I'm going to have it all over tan. I'm going to be on the beach the rest of the year, and I'll see you in the, in the fall. Uh, I'll come back to watch some football, and then I'll start doing basketball. That's it. 
That was my favorite question. We have one more. Okay, let's do it. Uh, Mr. Gribbett, would you like to ask this question? Next question, or final question of the podcast comes from us. Cole, give us a baseball preview. Dot, uh, dot, dot. Uh, thank you. Whoa, wow. That's a great question oh. from us. <laughs> Good I mean, job. I, I wrote it, but I gave you guys a little bit of love with That's, the us. So it was like we did the group project and Zach. Yeah. Did all, right. all uh, as an aside, uh, <laughs> folks, when you're out there in the business world, uh, give your boss the credit for stuff he didn't do. And that's what Zach just did. Good job, Zach. So K-State plays on Friday. If you're listening to this, that will be in two days. Is that my – it is Tuesday. Tuesday. The podcast goes I'm live on Wednesday. So K-State plays on Friday. They open up with Arizona at 3 o'clock on Flow Sports. Are you familiar God. with this? Yes, yeah. we're familiar with Flow Sports, Cole. Flow. I hate him so much. Not Flow from Progressive, but Flow Sports. She would do a better job. She would. Uh, it is pay, so if you – want to watch you have to pay $30 a month Cole's so, gonna give his login follow him on Twitter sadly I don't have a login because I will be at the first game um, but I do think it's important to note that you can listen to your local radio station please do and they will be there somebody I don't know who's gonna be down there I would so, be this Brian. is a great tournament Arizona Michigan and Auburn yeah and have you seen the times yeah K-State plays at three which is great great time slot on Friday you're the second game that, I'm going to get down there, going to watch probably some of the first game, then watch K-State play in the second game. It's going to be great. Then they play the first game at 11 a.m. on Saturday, and then Sunday they play at 10.30 in the morning. Now, every time you have a four-team tournament, no matter what sport, there's that one team you invite that, you know, they're not going to get the good times, and everyone's expected to kick the crap out of them. That's K-State. That's K-State. Is there two separate four-team tournaments? I think there's. So it I think it's like a. It's not Sorry. a tournament. It's just a showcase. Okay. I think there's six teams down there. Because like, like Texas yeah. Tech is there. Yeah, I think there's there's yeah. some other teams. I think it's like six or eight. Facing. Yeah, it's just a showcase, and it's by all accounts like the biggest showcase in college baseball this weekend. So it's huge. Like right, it's good for the program. But this seems to me like Pete Hughes called them and said, "Hey, we want to come down. What's it going to take?" And I don't know how this works. And maybe they got invited. They are doing everything they can to make sure that their RPI, to make sure that their non-conference schedule is not the reason why they don't get in the NCAA tournament. Because that was the reason why they didn't get in the yeah. NCAA tournament last year. I mean, and then if you look at their home opener, they open with Nebraska, who beat, who was who was a few innings away from beating Arkansas in a regional last year. So uh, Nebraska is Nebraska's Nebraska is a great team, right? I mean, they're in the top twenty and and. and in the preseason polls, and that's K-State's first home game. So, yeah, I think that um, I'm really excited for this group. Uh, I, I, we're going to have some more um, coverage, obviously, so stay tuned to the website. But I, I think I think K-State has a chance to be really good. This is a more talented team than they had last year. I don't necessarily know if they'll be better, but they're more talented. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. They open uh, their home schedule on March 8th with Nebraska, 6 p.m. game. And after they're done down in the Metroplex, they go to the West Coast for games with Bakersfield and one with Fuller, Fullerton and Loyola Marymount and the little West Coast swing. What did you think of Pete's press conferences compared to Bruce's? I love Pete. I mean, I don't mean that derogatory to Bruce. <laughs> you don't love Bruce? Right? But Pete's is very clear. And he says things and he's decisive in how he says it. I he's love incredibly that, yeah. honest. 
you know, if a guy's not doing well, he's he's not giving him a crutch to lean on. He's going to call him out. I think what's so, what's so amazing about Pete, and I was talking to, to Mitch Fortner about this, um, he was cutting up the audio from Pete. Mm-hmm. He said, I had to cut out like three seconds each question because he takes three seconds between – Sentences, yeah, and so he's like, you compare that to Bruce Weber, who's going all over the place at 100 miles an hour, and then you have Pete, who takes about he measures himself yeah. two minutes yeah. between each answer. But mm-hmm. but he's honest, right? He's brutally honest. They want K State to start to become a baseball school, and it's not easy to do. It's not easy to in the in Kansas to have a baseball school, nope. but with the renovations they did to Toynton, with the talent they're bringing in, with the recruiting classes that they have. K-State is trying to build something, and I've said this before, and I still think that out of all the coaches between baseball, football, and basketball, Pete Hughes is my favorite, just as far as leadership and how he handles young men, and I love Chris Kleiman, but I think Pete Hughes is just as good as any coach on this campus. My dream is that in the space between the new Olympic Training Center and the left field wall, they build a party deck. You know what they should have built when they redid Toynton? A roof. <laughs> you know who we can call for that? Our boy. Who? John Lil, Higgins. Little Johnny. Do you guys know the name of his business? I don't. Rooferees. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's freaking brilliant. <laughs> Do they put on all kinds of roofs, or are they all just like at frosted tips? Well, I have a hi there. Have a question. Text us here. Chat option on the website. So, do you want me to ask? That? No, please don't be a Kentucky okay. fan. <laughs> I wonder if they ever got their Yelp reviews cleaned up. Oh, I think I'm sure they did. they did. Yelp is soft. If you get a bad review, you can tell them to take it off, and Yelp will be like, "Yes, sir." I don't like no that. problem. Well, leave us a review on Apple if it's good. If it's not. Keep it to yourself. Shut up. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Powercat.com.